Hello and welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast where two indie hackers, James McKinvin and Dan Rowden, talk about building their indie businesses. Today, Dan and I talk about when you should take time off as an indie hacker, some fun ways to spice up your workspace, and we give away a t-shirt. Let us know what you think on Twitter at No More Mondays FM or hit the link in the show notes. And a big thank you to today's sponsor, Upvoti, which we'll find out more about in the episode. Let's get started. So Dan, cruising towards 3,000 downloads this week. Yeah, so we passed two and a half thousand. Trending on 500 a week. It seems to be going up every single episode. We've got a nice chart. Uh, yeah, every week I'm a bit like, is it going to keep going up? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess more people are finding out about it and listening in and the same people keep listening and downloading the episode. So it's just growing nicely, nice and slow. It's not like super fast, but I think it's like a healthy and fun like growth rate. It's, it's good to see. I wanted to talk about something that I tweeted about day before yesterday, which is taking time off because I inadvertently took a full day off on Friday. Didn't plan for it to happen, having worked pretty much three weeks in a row. And I thought about taking time off, like I really wanted a day off, but there was always one more client edit to do or there was work that I enjoyed to do that I wanted to get done that day. And I think a lot of indies fall into this trap of just working, 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 and then you end up burning out. I have lots of flexibility in my schedule and I'm really grateful for that. So I'm not working seven, eight, nine hour days every day. It's more, there may be three hours on one day and then the rest I'm doing other stuff, but it's still not a day off. I'm still seven days a week on. So I was wondering what your approach to taking time off is. You're in a different situation with your kids, of course, but how do you approach it? I... I'm lucky, again, like you, that I can decide how much to do and when. My week is de- very much determined by the kids. They have school and then they have after-school activities. And then obviously at the weekend, I can't just sit there for eight hours and do work for eight, like a whole day. I'm still stuck to the Monday to Friday kind of work schedule. But within that those day periods, I'm very flexible. I also took a day off on Friday because it was my worst birthday. And it didn't matter. It doesn't I can just do that whenever I want. So when I had a job and I was doing side projects and I worked a lot more than I'm doing now i was very very Mm -hmm. aware of the amount of work i was doing and i would specifically not work like some evenings like for the next week because i knew that if i kept doing it yeah i would end up in a bad spot it's hard to not not work on stuff that you're interested in and want to work on because you want to keep going yeah i was looking at some of the replies to your tweet and there was was a few people were like i also do like work too much so it seems to be like a common issue. Yeah, especially when people are enjoying it. I'm looking through it now. There's uh, There was an interesting response from a fellow called Tyler who says he takes every Saturday and Sunday off. And turns out he has kids as well. As you said, it's hard to do anything other than when you've got the kids on the weekends. But for me, I don't love taking weekends off. That's sort of a reflection of me not wanting to go back to anything that I did have when I had a full-time job where I would live for the weekend and then I dread Mondays. But now I love Mondays. I don't have Mondays anymore like I used to have. No more Mondays. Um, (laughs) The other reason I don't like taking weekends off specifically is because I'd rather take a day off during the week when things aren't as busy. Whereas Mm. on weekends, town is busy, shops are busy. I'd rather have a day where things are a bit emptier and I enjoy that. But I'm not taking the time off. I I wonder (laughs) if I can choose a day during the week that is my day off every day or maybe every other week because I really enjoy stuff and just stick to that day. Do you think you could stick to that though? Because I I probably couldn't. I don't think I could. I mean, I I like having all the flexibility, but I just wonder if even if I work, say, three hours a day every day, 
whether that would just still be too much because work is on my mind every single day. Yeah. yeah, I guess the alternative is to just keep working every day or when you feel like it and just make sure that you take an afternoon off or you, you start three hours later than usual. Mm. Just like shift days rather than just block a whole day off. Dan, that art behind you, what is it? Is it just some random thing you found or is it? No, this came with the house. It's a furnished flat. Because I spoke a couple of episodes ago about my therapist telling me that I need to get art in my mm. office or my studio where I work. I'm like looking in the background and it's still very uninspiring. <laughs> and recently I got the art, but like I'm looking at it. It's just black and white. What have I done? Mm. <laughs> I've just got a black and white <laughs> drawing. But I'm thinking back here, I need some like colour, don't I? Mm. Do you have any ideas or...? I've, I would have no idea where to look. Yeah, I've got now. loads of ideas. So I went to my co-working space this week that I haven't been to in a while. And they had these beautiful prints of London in lockdown. Okay. So where the streets were empty. And these were just stunning photography. But wouldn't that spice things up a bit? Like some yeah. nice photos of London, which I like so much. Yeah. Or I was walking around Whitstable today. And I was thinking maybe some Whitstable themed art, some pictures or some illustrations of Whitstable related things. So then when I'm doing videos for Whitstable Craft Co, they might be in the background. I like both ideas. I think, yeah, photography of places is probably my favourite kind of art, unless there's some really cool hip, like abstract geometri- geometrical like colours. When I was in Canterbury, I was wandering around earlier today and there's this castle fine art and I've, I'm have i not going to get fine art, but I, I always walk past it and they always have some very interesting stuff. And today I thought I'd go in there. I started looking at the stuff. There is some really cool, funky stuff, but that's like 1,500 to 2,000 mm. pounds. And so I went in there and I took some notes down of some of the art and maybe I can get some prints of their art yeah. <laughs> instead of the originals. But yeah, I thought, just something in this background. Yeah, yeah. I think we were lucky with the art that was in this flat, for sure. Because there's one mm-hmm. like this in each bedroom and they're all different. Yeah, yeah. They're nice and big, like canvas. I enjoyed your photo of the, your desk earlier with the egg boxes you're collecting. <laughs> yeah. Why are you collecting egg boxes? To make a podcast studio, clearly. I'm going to I'm gonna collect so much that I'm going to make a wall each side and then behind me. <laughs> and I'll just go into my egg box cave. Dan, nothing's going to save the Blue Yeti, I'm afraid. <laughs> all right. Sponsor time. Yes. You know he's back for a sponsor this time. I... Mike from Upvoty. Hi, Mike. Talking to Mike's, here's Mike Slats. <laughs> do you watch any of Mike's YouTube videos, Dan? I do. He is absolutely pumping the YouTube videos yeah. out at the moment. And I'm falling a bit behind on my own YouTube. And every time I watch Mike's, I just watch it for a little inspiration and thinking i've got to catch up with this dude because he's making notion dashboard he's sharing his setup he's giving all of the secrets away on how to build a sat so i just want to give a little shout out to mike for his youtube yeah. but that's not why we want to talk about mike we want to talk about mike <laughs> because mike runs upvotee which is a user feedback tool as an indie hacker building your products how often are you asking for user feedback because if you listen to the problems of your users you can really understand the pain points and solve their problem to be able to build a product they love, much like Ilo Dan. People love Ilo, don't they? Especially they do. me, I've got my little gold crown. My dad asked for a gold <laughs> crown, by the way. I said, Sorry. first of all, you need to sign up for Ilo, and two, <laughs> you have to, you had to have signed up a year ago. Oh, yeah, 2020. Um, so, yeah, Upvotee is a user feedback tool that makes it easy for you to listen to your users and prioritize what to build next, like thread analytics for Dan. Install Upvotee's feedback boards and you'll have all of your user feedback in one place. You can also close the feedback loop by setting up your change log and product roadmap. 
which allows your users to be actively involved in building new features and love your product even more. Damn, wouldn't it be wonderful if I loved Dillo even more? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Can you like it even more? I'm not sure. <laughs> that is a very good point. I'm not sure I could. It's interesting you talk about Elo and Thread Analytics because literally like the day I started building it, someone messaged me. Like, It'd be really cool to be able to see like Thread Analytics in Elo. They must have raised it on your Upvotey board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you want to give it a go, Upvotey has a free 14-day trial. Give it a go. 14 days free. Why not? And 10% off any plan with the code No More Mondays. Go to upvotey.com or check the link in the show notes to start your trial. All right. I hope, Mike, you enjoyed that. Dan, what have you been up to this week? Tolta's come up in the notes. What's happened with Tolta? Ah, uh, so it's about this time last year that I was working on Tolta and building it into a thing. So if anyone oh. wasn't following me on Twitter about a year ago, Tolta was or is a SaaS tool I built for tracking figures, basically numbers in different platforms. So you could attach it to your Twitter following or Gumroad sales or Paddle MRR and it would collect everything in one place and then you could share those numbers anywhere else you'd want. And then I sold it in May for a decent price before it was going to be launched and I just miss it, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> I still use it all the time for my own like numbers. I still track it, but nothing's oh. really happened to it since I sold it. And I just sometimes I get this like, oh, I, really, I wish I could add that to Tolta, but I can't because it's not mine anymore. That's interesting. When did this come up in, in your mind? Was it when you were using Tolta, you thought, oh, I'm just having it? Yeah, because I basically log in every day, I think, to check different sales figures and stats. And just like some weeks I'm like, oh, I see a platform or some new tool or think of a new metric that I'd like to track. It'd be cool to plug that into Tolta and have that going. But yeah, rip. I thought Tolta <laughs> was cool. Well, when did you, did you share any details of the sale, who you sold it to, how much for? Yeah, so there's the thread... I can share a link to the thread that I wrote on Twitter when I announced the sale. Yeah, I went to some guy, Bobby from Twitter. Yeah, they have a product studio, and I think their plan was to take it and build it out into a creator studio of tools, and it never went anywhere. With Tolta, built other stuff since. But yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Should, should we buy it back with the sponsor money? <laughs> can I offer you 500 <laughs> quid? <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever buy it back? Uh, it depends on the price, I guess. If, if it was for the same price as you sold it no. for? No. Okay. Interesting. Why not? I don't think I would put out that much money for something that I could potentially just build again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I built it once, I could build it again. Why would I have to build, buy it? But that's interesting that you thought of old dead projects. We should probably yeah. talk about not dead projects, projects that have been sold or you're no longer working on. I was thinking of on my website just doing like a project graveyard. Josh Pigford has an awesome one. Yeah. Have you seen his? Yeah, I've seen Started, his. sold, whatever. I'll leave a link to that. And I think Rob Hope has one as well. So I want to go through some of my dead projects. I was also mm. thinking, I was chatting to someone about this the other day. Someone asked, what's your next project you're going to be working on? And mm -hmm. for the first time in a while, I'm just happy with the projects I've got on at the moment, and I want to build these things. <laughs> Talk to me about your week last week, Dan. So I was working on Illo Thread Analytics, and that's all in the UI now and ready to go into production. I've got a small list of people that I'm going to roll it out to. And I was also designing a marketing page and thinking about pricing, seeing how that would all fit together. I like working on Illo. I do feel like it's either hit a ceiling or I've just not done marketing right for it because it has a decent amount of signups, but the amount of customers it gets, not very many. It goes mm. up all the time, which is not very fast. I wish it would go much faster. And I just need to figure out why that is or what I can do better. What's your month-on-month -month growth with it? Uh, it's like 4% typically. 
Okay. And we want to get that more to 10 to 20%. Well, yeah, ideally. if it got to 10, that would more than double double the rate it's growing. So that would be ideal. So, sometimes I feel I get quite discouraged and like, is this something I should really be working on? Like Twitter analytics, is that really a thing? But then people like you, like saying that they get value out of it, it and that helps to like counter that. And I think if you're ever in a, in a position where you, you wonder if your project is worth it, but then you have like 200 mm. plus customers, then the answer is yes. <laughs> I think that's yeah. pretty a pretty clear answer. <laughs> Without a doubt, and thousands in MRR. The only big challenge or worry that I would have if I was you would be platform risk and competitors that are clearly out to just copy your product. <laughs> but you're de-risking yourself by building multiple projects and having multiple revenue streams. Yeah, and I keep building new things into Illo that make it go further down the analytics path, whereas the people that have come in and kind of duplicated features or whatever, they've kind of done a little bit into a different kind of project so i'm still always still the only kind of core like hardcore analytics product out there yeah you're niche and you're focused right and so when people go to Elo, they know exactly what they're getting yeah. not they go to a product for one thing and they get it as a bonus people yeah. that are passionate or interested in growing their twitter audience know that Elo is the best product for it cool what else have you been working on basically finished my next ghost theme which is the changelog theme Going on with my kind of track record of building ghost themes for different types of websites. So now I've done like newsletters, I've done like a Patreon kind of membership site, I've done blogging, and now I'm doing changelog. So I'm just kind of using Ghost one one piece of software for multiple different things because it can do all that stuff. So it's called Track. It's just a very simple changelog theme that matches the typical changelog design. I'll write a big blog post about it I think to launch it like I did with Substation and Patreon like how to host a changelog on Go and mm-hmm. obviously link to the theme and just make it very clear of how you can run it through Ghost very easily very simply you don't have to like create anything you don't have to install anything yeah is this a $79 one? I think it's 59 because it's not like a premium one it's it's quite simple in what it does but I was thinking about 79 because it's like for businesses so they probably would have $79 but I think just if you line it up against my other themes it's more in the 59 camp than the 79 but i don't know what do you think i mean you should put it at 79 because you, <laughs> you just given the clear justification it, it's far more impact for you as an indie creator if someone's paying 79 and that compounds over 30 40 50 sales rather than 59 and although it's simple what impact does, does that theme then have on the business? What value are they getting from it? Are they get more than 80 bucks value of course they are so i think putting it in your premium business theme because it looks great you're a premium theme builder now dan i am i'll think about it. have a think now i've said i'm debating 59 is it gonna look bad if i sell it for 79 (laughs) no people understand of course they will probably not and listeners of no more mondays i'm about to just i was about to say listeners of no more mondays can get it for 59 for being listeners (laughs) and i realize that i'm just giving discounts on your products (laughs) (laughs) without even asking you yeah yeah and then so the the alley theme that has now had over 10 sales so that's it's made me about two grand already i think in a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. which is great and it's now listed on the ghost website so that should give it a quick boost so there's three different ways to get a ghost theme out i don't know if i should be saying this because it's like the secret source but you need your own website you need to get it on the ghost website and then what's the other one oh yeah for ali he's going to mention it in his videos 
So there's like like okay. Marketing so what? Yeah. So the secret source is your own site ghost <coughs> and a YouTuber <coughs> with too many yeah. subscribers. <laughs> okay, that's for this one theme. That is the secret source. <laughs> but normally it's like writing a blog post and like putting it in a like I said for track. You need to give it a purpose or like that kind of marketing yeah. angle. Like Substation, I did the same. Like build Substation, build Substack on Ghost. Apparently, he's going to start mentioning it in his videos in the next few weeks. In which case, who knows what's going to happen? It could go crazy. It could just I, be very flat. I'm very interested because it will be a little look into how effective an audience of his size on YouTube is, which I suspect is going to be very effective. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> I could get a lot of support emails. What, scared of all the money you're going to be making? No. <laughs> you can get two monitors, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> two Apple monitors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So talking about ghost stuff, I was also talking, thinking about Cove this week, which I haven't thought about for a long time because it just runs in the background and doesn't really do much. People sign up to it, but it hasn't really grown mainly because I don't give it much love. When I think of my ghost work, I have the themes, I have the host, I have Cove. I'm going to start this agency thing. It's just like a lot of ghost stuff that would work together. It could be kind of, I don't know, like a map of ghost products that intertwine and work. So I think adding more to that or making them better will just help the system and the flywheel effect. Yeah, I was going to say flywheel. This is exactly what I said when I interviewed you on Indie Bytes mm. and I wrote the blog post about it, and you're building this portfolio of ghost products in this ecosystem. It's what I'm trying to do with the podcasting stuff. It's a smart thing to do because your customers for one are going to be your customers for the other. And you can build a funnel, whether that's from either free stuff down to cheap stuff, then to medium or premium paid stuff, products to freelancing, and then maybe another... S- SAS from Ghost that you might be able to do. And then you've got yeah. <laughs> Illo. <laughs> Analytics for Twitter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good segue into what you've been working on. You had a good week with your Indie Bytes downloads. I had a very good week. I said I was going to release Sahil's episode last week. Sahil Livinger, Gumroad founder. I recorded it back in November and I thought it was going to be a really big episode. And it was a successful episode, but the impressions on the tweet i got when i announced it were huge if that's anything to go by the actual episode is going to be received very well i wanted to make sure it was prepped it was at a good time i didn't want to release it on a weekend i wanted to have the biggest chance of sahil sharing it as well to get the boost he's got two hundred eighty thousand people on twitter that's why mm. the launch tweet did so well because he shared that but instead because i knew i wasn't going to launch it weekend i launched brett's episode so Brett Williams, design joy guy. He is like flavor of the month at the moment. Everyone wants to hear from Brett because he's, first of all, he's a lovely guy. I will say that. Lovely guy, amazing story. He built it to a million even before he started going berserk on Twitter. Now he's got like seven, 8,000 on Twitter. He was even on the Indie Hackers podcast. I enjoyed our chat with him, but I wanted the Indie Bites angle on it where I was asking him some slightly different things, putting it into that format. So recorded with him on Friday, published on Sunday, and that's one of the quickest turnarounds I've done, but I just wanted to get his episode out. I knew people would listen. What I didn't expect is for that to be my best day of downloads ever when I launched it. It was like 700 downloads in a day. So after Brett's episode on the Wednesday, I did eventually release Sahil's episode and surprisingly, it didn't do as well as Brett's. I did the tweet. I gave away five of his books. I thought that would help really yeah. get the word out there. I wanted it to be a fantastic launch. Uh, the one thing is, Sahil didn't 
share it, which I thought he was going to because he shared the announcement. Maybe it's because I left it so long and he's not on the promo train anymore. Mm. But I, I don't want to say it was a disappointment because it was still a great episode. It was my second best day of downloads ever. <laughs> but it's because Brett's one did so well a few days before. Yeah, but I thought it was a good um, episode. And it was cool to have a big name on. Without a doubt. And it really helped when Cortland came on. And I've got a lot, a lot to thank Cortland for when I put his episode out. Because that helped with me with getting new guests, with the credibility of the pod. So yeah, it is nice to get these big guests every once in a while. But I sometimes feel a lot of pressure when I get a big guest. Not only when I'm recording to make it an interesting conversation for them. But for people listening, I want to make it something they might not have heard before. Mm. And then... For downloads, I want it to be a big episode because I know they've got a big audience. I want them to share it. And if everything doesn't align, I get a little bit frustrated or a little bit sad that it didn't go as well as it could. Whereas there's not that pressure when I interview someone like Brett or Che, who's this 18-year-old developer who's got an awesome story. But I think it's those it's the people that you don't know about the most interesting ones. At least that's how I found um, and talking of Indie Bytes, I recently shared this week that I bought the .com and I set it up on my new Transistor site. I actually bought the .com maybe a year ago and just didn't do anything with it ridiculously. There was like six months where it was held by GoDaddy and I wanted to get it over to Namecheap and did the switch, but then didn't know what website to point IndieBytes.com to and didn't share it. But now I shared it this week and now I have a lovely .com and the new Transistor website that they released is really nice and it's all I kind of wanted from a site. It yeah. means I can just have a website there that has all the information you might need and it has the transcript, it has the episode link, all the show notes and it updates automatically. Is there a story behind the .com? Like why did you buy the .co and then the .com? Or did you buy them together? Or what happened there? I don't know why I didn't buy the .com first. I am more than happy to buy .co domains. I think when I was deciding on the name for Indie Bytes, I just saw the .co thought the .com was taken, but I think it was just a parked one by GoDaddy. That's why I had mm. to buy it through GoDaddy. And okay. I was just assuming it was one of these three, four grand premium domains, go through a domain agent. So I just didn't do it. It was just through GoDaddy and they were like, oh, it's 60 pound. I was like, okay, yeah, that's doable for the yeah. .com. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be interested to see once I point all of my domains. So I've got IndieBytes.co, Bytes.fm, which is my favorite. I still love Bytes.fm. Yeah. Okay and IndieBytes.com or this transistor site if the traffic then increases. Yeah, I think it makes sense to have the .com. So yeah, bought the .com, shared that, new website, really happy with it. Final thing I want to talk about, leather stuff. Uh, yeah. I went to my co-working space that I used to go with my dad every week. We haven't been for a while. I went there on Thursday, had a work working day with dad, was absolutely lovely. Recommend everyone go to a co-working space with their dad and I also did like a craft fair at this co-working space a few months ago and so a few people there have picked up leather wallets and one of the most satisfying things Dan is when someone shows you their wallet excitedly comes over to you and says here look I've got my wallet and they whip it out of their pocket and it's got beautiful patina well used yeah. and it's something they use every day and that happened this week and I thought it was really quite it's just really nice to see and when i go to indie beers there's a few people that have wallets there i'm like show me your wallet yeah that's something i'll never experience sadly what using one of my wallets <laughs> no 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 <laughs> having built something <laughs> made something physical and also rather tangentially while making on the theme of leather this week i made a little pocket tidy for golf where i can put my tees and my pitch 
fixing tool and my ball marker all in one little pouch. And one thing I love about hand making leather products is I can make stuff that is useful for myself. I have to make stuff that I want and uh, you can do that with, with internet stuff, right? If you, you build the product that often you want, I can do it with physical things. So mm. like I make myself coasters that I want. I make myself little pouches. I've got myself a nice desk mat here, which if anyone wants a desk mat, I haven't put them on the site, but just DM me and I'll send you one. Oh yeah, I was going to send one to you, wasn't I? Yeah, you're supposed to. And you're supposed to send me a microphone? A little Illo branded one. Yeah. Oh, I've got lots to send you, Dan. I'm just going to fly to Mauritius with all this stuff. Oh, let's do that. Let's do an in-person recording. Shall um, we use the rest of the kitty to buy you a return ticket? Yeah, done. All right, let's wrap up on our tweets, Dan. I think mine warrants a bit of a discussion, if I'm honest. So this is from Peter Levels. Oh dear. Yesterday, he tweeted out, Just tweeting what you're working on every day is much more fun than posting one-liners, and I think actually gets you much more followers because people are tired of cliche one-liners and threads on here. <laughs> so he's clearly not a thread fan. But the interesting thing about this is that this is how I tweet. Like This, this is my process of being on Twitter, just tweeting things I'm working on or things I'm thinking about. There are some one-liners in there, but it, it all fits in the same thing. Of It's related to my work or it's related to something I'm working on or something I've been thinking about based on what I'm working on. And I, yeah, I never write threads. So it's just interesting that he has the same mindset or the thought process of how to tweet and it's worked for both of us i mean i'm not at his level but i've had some decent success i mean an interesting thing i was chatting to brett about on indie bites podcast is the route that he has gone to be successful is a different route to many and it got us talking about the fact there are so many different routes to achieve a goal to get to a destination so he grew design joy without twitter some other productized service might grow it using Twitter heavily. They've both got to the same destination, but doing it differently. I think your way of tweeting works well and has worked for you. It's worked for Peter. People that do threads and one-liners, that's worked for them and they've grown. Dickie Bush writes amazing threads. He writes amazing one-liners and we enjoy reading them. So I think there are different ways to get there. I'm a fan of doing the tweeting and what you're working on. It's easier. It's more fun. I think if people are starting out, growing their Twitter, just do that. Just tweet yeah. every day. Just tweet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's tiring seeing the threads, but I like reading through them. Some of, in fact, a lot of the tweets we shared from this podcast are those threads. Yeah. I still think they're valuable. And I think that you'll see the people who are funny, like with one-liners or have like big threads, they'll grow much quicker than people who just share what they're working yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, we should tweet about this. That t-shirt I bought, which says just tweet every day. Oh, wait. Where is it? Wait there, I'll go get it. So Dan, look, yep. I've got the Just Tweet Everyday t-shirt here, but it's a very small large because I'm a large and this does not fit me. I think we should give this away to one of our listeners. What do you reckon? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. It's not branded, but if you want to promote Just Tweeting Everyday or just wear it as a pyjama top or give it to a friend, <laughs> we're going to give it away this week on Twitter. How's that sound, Dan? That sounds brilliant. Yeah, I like that idea. We should do more of this. Yeah. Shall I do my tweet? Yes, please. What's your tweet? So I saw this because it was shared by Steph Smith from The Hustle, wrote a book called Doing Content Right and more recently a course called Doing Time Right. She runs a pod called Shit You Don't Learn in School. So someone's shared the way Steph Smith works, which is different to what you might usually do, which is like front loading your weeks. So instead of working eight hours a day, you start by working 12 hours a day, then 10, then eight, then six, then four. And Dan, I'd never thought of this way of working. Mm. 
Uh, and I read the article where Steph Smith talked about uh, doing this work and it's like or work in this way and the theory behind it is that often towards the end of the week you get stressed with deadlines and because all the work is built up towards the end of the week and the theory behind it is you do all your work or you get a lot of work done at the front of the week and then you do less and less as the week goes on so you don't have that stress towards the end of the week and why should we just work the nine to five that we're so used to because of this corporate culture yeah i like this idea all right man good stuff what are you working on this week um i'm going to launch trek the theme and get elo threads out those are my main two things what about you i've still got to uh, add the brand page to whisper craft go that i said i'd do i said i sold yeah. seven wallets branded uh, it worked really well and I want to do more of it as corporate gifts. Yeah. I'm going to get my yellow stamp for your desk mat. Uh, I want to add the desk mats as well to Whisplecraft. I've got the two Indie Bites episodes coming out. I've got a bunch of client work. And then if I have time towards the end of the week, I will look into launching VidPanda or getting that site up and oh, maybe nice. getting some of the video clients that I'm after. Okay. That's me for the week. Awesome. Done. Okay. And you've got to give away a t-shirt. We've got to figure out how to do it. Oh, that. and give away a t-shirt, of course. If you want to get in on that giveaway, we'll figure it out, but it will be on Twitter at No More Mondays FM. Go give us a follow. Dan's at DR. I'm at Jamie Kimbin. All right, man. Dan. Toodle pip. <laughs> Toodle pip. <laughs> See you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of No More Mondays with James McKinvin and Dan Rowden. You can join the conversation on Twitter at No More Mondays or hit the link in the show notes. You'll also find a list of talking points in those show notes along with details of today's sponsor, Upvotee. See you next Monday. <laughs>